Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to episode nine, I believe. Nine, right? Episode nine of the Section 102 Fordham Ram podcast. This is when the Fordham Ram sports section just gets on a Zoom call and, quite frankly, absolutely loses their minds. And, uh, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm Dylan Balsamo, along with my friends Jimmy Sullivan, Andrew Posadas, and Alex Wolves. And guys, I was just looking at the rankings on Apple Podcasts, and uh, it is official. Uh, we are the number one podcast in all the world. <laughs> wow. I was trying to tell you guys this, what, a couple weeks ago. We were rising up the charts steadily, and I heard from every podcast aficionado, Jimmy, and the ratings were in, and they love us. I just wanted to say something just to clarify. We get on here and we lose what little is left of our minds. It insinuates that there's a lot there to begin with, especially with me, which I know there's not. I can't speak for the other guys, but that's just for my end. You know, I Fair think we have, to start, we have to start dubbing this in different languages as we go international now. We need to, we need to really get the different demographics because, you know, we got the reach now. We got to take advantage of it. I would love to see a Mandarin dub uh, of this podcast and like, cause we have the zoom meeting, so we are recording the video as well. So if we can get the dub on the video, I think that would really accentuate what this podcast truly is about. That would look like, like the old uh, King Kong movies. Uh, yes. Godzilla. Godzilla too. Yeah. Godzilla. Yes. An opposite language and it would look hilarious. But I Phenomenal. also have a friend uh, who can uh, put this all in the braille for us which would be, mm. that's an interesting way of taking a podcast, but I'm all about it. Well, it could be done. I mean, that, that's Pretty. not crazy. There was a guy on, on Jeopardy back in the day who won like five games or something, and he was, he was blind, and he wrote like his final Jeopardy response in Braille. So that, that could happen, absolutely. That is fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's an avid, avid Jeopardy fan like Jimmy would know. <laughs> it's, it's, something, it's something only he would know. That's why this podcast is number one. Look at the amount of avenues that we're going in Braille. We're going to dub it. We're going to release video, simulcast it. If you're not listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing because you have every way, which and way to, to do. I don't know what else we can do. We can have LED lights. You, you can take it like that. We can be holographic. We can do it all. You know what we do need to do? In all seriousness, this will be for next semester when you know I can make it somebody else's problem. But... <laughs> Live episodes, like we uh -oh. need somebody, like we we'll just at be in the, the middle of the shop, shop and just somebody else, Baba Booey. Like it'll be great. Eleven thirty at night or right at midnight, just record it right then and there. You talk about losing your minds. That's the point where you definitely will at eleven o'clock midnight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, could you imagine doing an episode at that point? Well, Jimmy and I would be just fine just going down there real quick, recording, and then making our way home. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean, we've we've sung Midnight Train to Georgia at later hours. It's that. very true. I, I told Dylan that we're going to sing Midnight Train to Georgia at least one more time before we go, Jimmy. I, I just can't imagine that. What, the last time was sometime in, like, December of 2019? No, nah, that, that can't be the last time in the print shop. It breaks my heart just thinking about it, uh, honestly, Andrew. Um, I'm disgusted with myself. <laughs> All right. Well, we've, we've fooled around and, and uh, shenaniganed, to use it as a verb, for long enough. So uh, let's, let's talk turkey. Gobble, gobble, gobble. All right, now let's get to business. Um, so we had a couple different articles we want to talk about this week, but specifically, they are both uh, our preview articles for the basketball season. Who knows what's really going to happen with basketball? Uh, but there are a couple different avenues uh, that it can go down, and it looks like either way, both of our programs are prepared for it. So, Andrew, I want to start with you with the men. 
the men found themselves a little more successful in the conference tournament last year than they expected to be before. Every, obviously, everything shut down. Uh, and that's a higher expectations than one might say usually coming into this season. Yeah, uh, it, it's weird because I remember being at Barclays Center alongside uh, Dominic Capone and Isis Young for that first round matchup against GW, George Washington. And one could arguably say that Florida men's basketball had their best performance. They won by 20, I believe, 72-52. And the way the bracket had had played out for them, their next opponent was Duquesne, who they had played in two close games during the regular season. And if they were to get by Duquesne, Rhode Island awaited them, and they had a great matchup. I believe Rhode Island won by two URI at Rose Hill. Really good game. Uh, Emmanuel Barbari and I was on the call for that. But again, they won two of their last three games and the coronavirus pandemic just ultimately shut everything down at a point where Coach Neubauer and junior guard Jalen Cobb, they felt like they were ready to shock some people and make a turn and bring some positive momentum coming into this season. And guys, it's weird because the whole entire summer has been filled with just Zoom meetings and players having to do their own private workouts wherever they were Jalen Cobb told me in Atlanta he was running the hills of his neighborhood and about three or four months in when he had gym access he had to wear a mask you know he had to do certain limited drills he couldn't be around a whole bunch of people and then coming into the fall you know this team suffers a positive confirmed case as Jimmy and the sports section we all covered and reported on they lost 14 days so now coming into this season you would think for most teams, when you lose a bunch of seniors, it's hard to bring in and fit and have chemistry when you don't have the time. But for Fordham, six of their 10 guys are coming back, started 10 games last season, at least 10 games, including Jalen Cobb, who Coach Neubauer believes is going to take the next step. And, and he's ready to fill that role that Antoine Portley is vacating, you know, after graduating and they lose Ghazi. But, but I would say, Jimmy, that this team, while the expectations are, are not drastically high, they feel like that in this sort of unprecedented season that they could at least make some headway and prove they can be competitive in the A-10 moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. On the one hand, you're encouraged. They, as you said, Andrew, won two of the last three games last season. They were in a position to possibly go to at least the quarterfinals in the A-10 tournament. Uh, yeah, on the other hand, outside of playing George Washington in the A-10 last year, they were 0-15, 0-16. So, you know, that's something to address as well. You talk about the returning players. I think that's a really good point. Um, and I think those guys are uh, going to play a very important role. You talked about Jalen Cobb, who's a guy I really like, who is a really talented player. And, you know, he gets his shot, as you said, with Ghazi gone. And, th and that's a big loss for this team, I think. And Antoine Portley out of the picture as well to really take the next step. Another guy I think will be really important, Joel Soriano. I mean, we saw him at the end of last year put up a double-double in the UMass game, was really productive the last few games of last season. Uh, I think he'll be really important to this team as well. But with the pieces coming back, I think it's so interesting when you look at a season like this, that Fordham, through no fault of their own, has played zero games and already postponed one. Uh, having people returning 
on the roster, I think is a big advantage. And I think Fordham has that. How much it manifests, we'll have to see. But I think Fordham's in a better position than some other teams just because there isn't this massive turnover on the roster. Like even we've really seen in the past with this program over the past couple of years, there's a lot of returning pieces coming back. And I think that's helpful to teams right now when you have so many other variables strewn about one of them, not being the turnover on your roster, the guys on your team, I think winds up being really helpful. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have been following along, but athletics has been doing an interesting Ramley bonding series, talking to some of the past teams from the seventies and the nineties. And now this current team, obviously. And the last one they are talking to a 91 team who was Patriot league champions and they had a terrific season, had a lot of success. And they said like, Nobody really thought that they were going to do anything. They had really a lot of odds against them. They weren't really expecting much. And then all of a sudden they just started winning games. And next thing you know, they were having a lot of success. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels with this team in a sense, because like you mentioned, Andrew, I was at that game as well, the George Washington game. They looked fantastic. I mean, that was probably the best game that they played that year. And, you know, you start, maybe the expectations aren't there. You know, they're at the bottom of the preseason poll again in the A-10 and, you know, Jimmy brought up the conference record. But, you know, once you get that momentum going and you get that spark of, of optimism in your mind that you say we can compete. And a lot of the games last year were close. You know, we can compete, we can win. And now, like Jimmy mentioned, you have the returning talent. I think there's reason to be optimistic about the chances. You know, obviously we might not be expecting an 18 championship, but we just, like you said, Andrew, we want to see them be competitive. And I think looking at Fordham teams in the past and looking at what this team achieved in the past, I think there's reason to believe that they can do that. And Dylan, I would say Alex makes a great point. I know this team was nine and 22. They were two and 16 in the A-10, which does not, I don't think it's indicative of how close 14 of those 22 losses were by single digits. And in a lot of those games, Fordham was right in position. I think the defense is there. We know the defensive prowess and we know what coach Neubauer does on that end of the floor. It, it all comes down to offense. I mean, they were first in the A-10 in scoring defense, but dead last in scoring offense. And it's just like Jalen told me when I got the chance to speak with him. He said, a, a defense is no good if we can't score enough points to win a game and close out close games. So, again, I think for this team, they're going to have to focus on the offensive side. And that means guys like, uh, aside from Jalen Cobb, like Joel Soriano, Josh Navarro, uh, Ty Perry, Chuba Ohams, whenever he does come back, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, but he'll play a factor on Yaisi. So there are guys there, Dylan, who are going to have to take on bigger roles, especially on offense. If this team is going to win a few more games and at least not be that pushover that Fordham has traditionally been in the A-10. Precisely. This team is uh, nothing if not an improvement uh, than they were the year before. Uh, this program has certainly been moving upward in the last couple of years. I think it was it was it was it was difficult for them to be a better team last year than they were the year before after losing a, a star player like Nick Honor. Um, but you know, it was another year where they had returned a lot of guys other than him, and and the program was building. Uh, they definitely had a better start uh, to last year than any start they've had in recent memory, uh, which is a big thing. Um, but yeah, that improvement, the fact that they were losing most of the games they lost by single digits, you know, that's not nothing. It's, it's not for nothing at all. Uh, so I think that's a very important thing to remember in this respect uh, is that, you know, th they exceeded expectations last year. And I think the expectations for that reason actually become a lot higher for this year. 
you know, I don't think anyone's expecting them to win an A-10 championship this year. But to move up that ladder in the Atlantic 10 Conference, I don't think is out of the question here. Yeah, and yeah. I, I also think if I could just add on the, on the offense, yeah, their first game is against Manhattan. Andrew, I know you did that game last year. That game comfortably hit a 122 under with an extra five <laughs> minutes. It was like 45, 45 or something at the end of regulation. Like Fordham will find themselves in these rock fights throughout the season that, you know, you play well defensively and you lose you know, 50 something to 40 something. That's deflated. Um, now I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but yeah, they, they got to score more, but once they do, I think they'll really have a chance. And I would say that Fordham the last couple of years have had the advantage of having, you know, for lack of a better word, a soft non-conference schedule. But uh, again, obviously the Iona game is, is inevitably postponed uh, uh, considering any updates, but they're going to start the season with Manhattan and then a date with St. John's at Carneseca Arena. Hmm. So the non-conference start for them, that's going to test them. We're going to find out just how much they've improved, especially on offense, because those games are – those are no – those aren't any softballs. There's no easy swing and a hit right there for them. So, uh, again, Dylan, they're going to be tested early, and I think that's going to tell us a lot about what they're going to do come conference time. Certainly. So – we are certain we are in agreement that expectations are higher this year for the men's team than they even were for last year. They exceeded those. So I know I, I'm sure I speak for all four of us when I say we, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to whatever comes this season because it's going to be an improvement and that is fantastic for the program. Speaking of, uh, of basketball, as we have been, I guess, for really the whole podcast now, let's shift to the women's team. Jimmy, you had the women's team uh, in your check-in this week and you know, if you look at their performance in the conference tournament last year, uh, a little bit of a disappointment, not completely, but a little bit. Um, so I'm curious after talking to them, after talking to coach Gately, who is one of the best people in the world to talk to, I'd imagine. Um, how are, how are they going about preparing for this upcoming season? Well, I'll start with talking about the end of the season last year. They're still thinking about it. Um, coach Gately said that um, about, getting the bad taste out of their mouth with the way that game ended. They had a 17 point lead in the second half to VCU wound up losing that game. Uh, and that was ironically one of the last mass gatherings in Ohio. I think about the crowd that night and, you know, we went out to dinner afterwards. It's all the things that by that Monday we weren't even thinking about doing. Anyhow, that's beside the point. Um, they, I think, have a good approach to, to this season. I talked uh, with a bunch of the players. I talked with Caitlin Downey, and she just straight up said, you know, this is going to be a weird year. At some point, probably have games called off because that's just the way things are right now. We've seen it in college football. There's who knows how many games postponed this week. And you – kind of just take it as it goes and that's the approach they're taking um you know they've had practices and obviously they're adhering to the protocols i've seen videos on twitter where they're working out and you know, running up and down the court in masks um so they're just trying to take a good approach to this i think they are uh their season opener is against stony brook on the 25th and you know they're hoping to get all those games in but they're realistic about it they're saying look this is a weird year 
Um, it's weird for everybody. Uh, they saw what happened with the men's team a couple weeks ago. They seeing what's happening to their season opener because of a positive test at Iona. And they, they know that this is not going to be your usual season where you have a schedule and you you're able to stick to it. You, you have your practices during the week and you play on Saturday or Sunday and then you play again on Wednesday. That's not going to be how it is this year. They're, you know, the schedule is different already. They're playing games on Friday and then Sunday. So there's a lot of quick turnarounds, but I think, you know, they're, they're rolling with the unknown. And, and when I, I talked to Caitlin on Tuesday night, right before I sent in my story and uh, literally when we were talking was when the out of conference schedule popped up on the website. I was literally on the phone with her and I said, Oh, okay. The schedule just showed up now. She knew what it was, but we didn't. So there's a lot of unknown right now, but I think generally speaking, they have the right approach. I would say, you know, it's almost like we're looking at two different narratives with the men's and the women's team where you have the men that are kind of trying to claw their way out of the bottom. And you have the women who are trying to get back on top after winning the tournament, you know, a few years ago, but I do think still the situations are not all that different in some sense in terms of experience, because you know, this woman's team, I think, is bringing back a lot of good talent that you mentioned, Jimmy. You know, Caitlin Downey, obviously, and other captain, Katie McLaughlin. And I think I was reading a little bit of your article with Anna DeWolf kind of building up the strength aspect that she's now a captain. Then, obviously, you know, you have the high volume scoring from, from Kendall Haramaya. And, obviously, Bryson Cavanaugh not being there is going to be an impact. I think, you know, you mentioned that a bit in your article. And there's no doubt, uh, you know, player conference player of the year, you know, that, that's going to be important. But I think at the same time, there's a lot of returning pieces and I think a lot of motivation for the team to get that bad taste out of their mouth and get back on top. Yeah. I mean, both, both men's and women's basketball team, they both are returning core players and the women's team, four of their five starters, you know, uh, without Bryson Kavanaugh. So I think about that and obviously replacing the a 10 conference player of the year that it's just, it's hard to do that, but somebody like Anna DeWolf who, uh, you know, I got to do a couple of games with you, Jimmy for Fordham women's basketball. She's electric. You know, as potent and dynamic a scorer as Bryson was last season, Anna has shown flashes where she can go above and just make plays. She's a triple-double walking, really, essentially, if she wants to be and she's aggressive. So you have her, uh, along with Kendall Haramaya, who's really the heart and soul of that team, what she can do as a defender and shooting the three-point ball and, and moving over to the four spot and really thriving there adding Caitlin Downey, who's another year more experienced, another year better, uh, and then a lockdown guard next to DeWolf and Carpell. This Ford, I can see why the expectations are high. They should expect to be right there in the mix and come conference tournament time. I'm sure that Coach Gately and that team, they're going to look to get that bad taste out of their mouth from the A-10 conference tournament last season. Yeah, DeWolf, uh, if anything, has real star power. Um, and you know, honestly, I was thinking about this, um, for one thing, the fact that she is, um, is, is working on improving a certain aspect of her game when really she doesn't necessarily have to, uh, that's the mark of a great athlete, uh, if you ask me, uh, and a, and a hardworking athlete, but also I'm thinking about, um, obviously, uh, losing Bryce Kavanaugh, um, is a big loss, but for DeWolf, it might be an opportunity to, you know, it's not a two-man show anymore. It's not John and Paul anymore. It's just Paul. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is a chance for, for her to be to be leading uh, the squad uh, most offensively, uh, mostly. But this is really a chance for her to shine and, and have comp- whenever she needs it, arguably whenever she wants it. And that's just 
I think, good for the team. But, you know, this is a team that over the last couple of years I've learned I'm, I'm never going to doubt them at all. Um, so I have the utmost confidence that they will honestly win the conference again. I, I don't think that's out of the question. I think it's a real – I think it's the most likely possibility, if you ask me. So uh, I'm pretty high up on this team this year, and it sounds like you guys are too. Yeah, I Jimmy, think, can I? Yeah, go Jimmy, ahead. can I ask you a quick question? Just yeah. since you talked to Coach Gately, do you know who's going to slide into Bryson's spot there in the starting lineup with the other four? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I it, it depends. I mean, there's a couple different ways you know, they could go. Obviously, you've got four starters. Uh, I imagine it'll be Carpell, and the Wolf will be one and two. Yeah. Uh, you'll have uh, Haramaya, you'll have Caitlin Downey. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can go about this. I, th- I think it'll go one of two ways. Um, they will start either McLaughlin at probably the three. She's a good shooter. She could space the floor. Uh, that would be like her main function offensively. Or other option you could go to is go to a bigger lineup, play Jeremiah at the three, Downey at the four, Meg Johnson at the five. It'll be one of those two, I think. I'm not sure which one it'll be. If I had to guess, I would say door number one, but it, it could really go in either direction. And we've seen two. You know, I remember when they won the A-10 a couple of years back, there was a lot of mixing and matching early in the season with the lineups and out of conference play, trying to figure out what worked. Uh, um, excuse me. And there were you know, a couple of games, particularly early on in the season, they got torched. And whether it was on the offensive end or the defensive end, and you know, eventually they kind of settled in to uh, what they wanted to do. They inserted Caitlin Downey into the starting lineup. They were trying different things with. I seem to recall Meg Jonathan and Zara Jillings. And eventually once they slotted Caitlin Downey into that lineup with that group around them, I don't think they lost until the NCAA tournament. So there's there, what, what you see on opening day basically is pro, is maybe not what you're going to see at the end of the season. I also think that this is a team that will probably be playing better at the end of the season than it will at the beginning, just because you have, Yes, it's losing one player, but that one player is the defending conference player of the year. And, you know, we talked about Anna DeWolf. You know, Kendall Haramaya is growing into a bigger role as well. Stephanie Gately was very complimentary of her, saying that she's doing all the good things she usually does in practice without the occasional short-circuit mistakes that that have been happening with her from time to time. That if she can cut that out of her game, she's going to be one of the best players in the conference. I really believe that. So I think she is maybe the most important player on this team this year. And, and Anna DeWolf, you know, is set to take another next step as well. Um, I, I was actually there. There was a game where one of the coaches, I think it was, I don't remember what game it was, but I, I remember doing it. And one of the coaches on the other team said, get, get in the weight room. Well, Anna DeWolf got in the weight room. It was at her house, <laughs> but it was still same difference. So I think this team is going to take out a conference play to assess, see where they're going. And then they want to hit final form when conference play starts up against Davidson. That's a tough game for them on December 21st. But I think there's going to be a big growing process, 
Uh, I'm going to be careful probably not to really draw any conclusions about this team really before like February. But I think ultimately we're going to sit there at the end of the season and be like, Oh, are they top four again? Yeah. That's kind of where they've been. And I think I, you know, saw the a 10 standings and they had them tied for fourth. I think that's about right. I think they'll probably finish. I would have them in that three to four range in the a 10. I think that's where they'll wind up being. The other thing I want to add too is if you, I think that point that you make about them getting better throughout the year is so important because if you remember back to last season, opening night with Notre Dame, they had two freshmen on the floor right away. Yeah. And like that type of environment to start off your season is, is quite a tall task. And I know we saw Carpell and DeWolf improve throughout the year. And Jimmy, as you wrote, they're bringing in five freshmen this year. That's a pretty big class for a team that's already bringing back a lot of experience. So I think there's the same potential where those players, you know, Coach Gately said some of them might have an immediate impact. And we'll see how that, you know, they're probably going to be a lot of mix and matching at the beginning of the year. And I think there's a reason to expect a lot of growth throughout this year and also even into next season because this is going to be so unpredictable. I think there's a bright future now for this team. Yeah, Anna DeWolf, that, that, she's my sleeper. She might win the A-10 Conference Player of the Year. If you haven't seen her play, she is very good at shooting, passing, doing whatever she Dribbling. wants with the basketball. She's, she's a wizard. I mean, just seeing her up close and personal doing a game, you can just – uh, to me, at that point, I was thinking, well, if they lose Kavanaugh and Jeremiah, they, Gately is just fine because Anna DeWolf at that point, you know, when she gets to her junior and senior year, you can only imagine with her potential what she can do in, in leading Ford and women's basketball to potentially more A-10 championships. Yeah, and we've also talked about, like, they're not going to replace Bryson Kavanaugh with just one person. It's going to be in the aggregate. It's going to be with DeWolf, Jeremiah, Downey. You know, what if somebody like Sarah Carpell takes a leap and becomes a contributor offensively? What if somebody like Meg Jonathan or, or Katie McLaughlin can do that? So uh, they're going to replace him in the aggregate. It's not going to be one person. But, you know, we talked about Anna DeWolf and getting stronger. And you're absolutely right, Andrew. There is that, like, X factor with her. And she's a stud. I've heard Stephanie Gately compare her to Manu Ginobili, which I know is close to your heart, Andrew. And I think, uh, I think that's maybe an apt comparison just because she's, you know, a little unpredictable on the floor, but she could do, you know, incredible things, um, particularly offensively. So be a really interesting season for Florida women's basketball. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. There are not many programs that can lose a special player of Bryson Kavanaugh and recover that quickly, uh, which I think is a testament to how the program has built itself. So, um, uh, cheers to everyone specifically, um, Coach and Dylan, Dylan, I would also say that's kudos to Coach Gately. She gets good recruits. I mean, a lot of people criticize Coach Neubauer for not being able to bring in at least three-star, you know, you know, high three-star recruits. Coach Gately, she's able to bring players to Rose Hill and sell them on her culture, and that really is a testament to the program she's been able to build here with the players that she's seen. I mean, Jamaris Davis, I mean, the list goes on. She's had some great players come here to Rose Hill to play for Florida women's basketball. I was just saying, Coach Gately, if you would let me finish my sentence. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm in your mind. I got telekinetic yeah. thoughts. Get out of my head, bro. So that this, this all leads uh, directly into a question that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, so uh, as you guys know, my brother uh, does a lot of what we do um, just over at Seton Hall. And, you know, them being a Big East team, um, perhaps things are a little less in the air then they are here, but nevertheless, they're still in the air. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're supposed to be traveling to different places. And um, we keep telling them, like, 
with the odds of you being able to travel for for the season, they're very slim. Uh, so I'm curious asking you guys, what are our expectations for how much college basketball we're going to get over the next, um, let's say, five, six months? What are, you, are, you, are you putting a number out there, like an over-under, as to how many games will like actually be played? Well, you betting man. So let's uh, let's let's give it an over and under. So let's say, is a team going to play twenty games? That's a good question. I would have to. It depends because if you have a positive case, and I don't know whose dog that is, so it's not mine. <laughs> Alex, that's you know, I moved down to the living room today because no one else is here. But the noise comes from the dog. You know, he's just chilling out. It's not, it's not even... He has an opinion, though. He he's trying to tell us when. Yeah, he's college he barked up at that question. I think yeah. So I think he's going. <laughs> I over. think he's going over. He's going over. Yeah. But no, I, I would say if you do have a positive case, that's a fourteen day quarantine right there. And from what I've seen, a lot of teams wouldn't really want to be comfortable playing until at least another week so you're talking about a 21 day period i mean in those three weeks you could play six to eight games so if you have a positive case you are essentially perhaps sacrificing or postponing six games but again the a10 they've left uh the last seven or eight days or the first seven or eight days of march to have that you know first week to, you know, make up any games that are postponed in conference play. But again, if somebody, you know, has a positive case within the program, you're looking at about a 21 day period where you are not playing basketball. I, I think also that the wild card in this is, I guess, the vaccine, because we we've seen, I mean, this thing is apparently going to start coming out at the end of the year. There's a couple different, manufacturers of the vaccine that have been successful but i don't see college basketball at the front of the line to get that and it's no offense to them yeah yeah but they're not going to get it before frontline healthcare workers or senior citizens or anybody else who happens to be high risk so i think you could probably rule that out for the season and i mean we we've seen it in college football you know there's teams I saw a side by side where there's one team that's five and five and another team within a 50 mile radius is zero and zero. So yeah, everybody's on such a different scale right now. The virus is so widespread, you know, we're getting to the end of the season guys, like whether we should or, or yeah. not, whether it's safe, like it's going to happen. Like we're going to have March madness. I, it's so, it's so hard to call. I'm going to be optimistic and take the over on that. I, I just think once you start getting into conference play, I think there's going to be a real push to make these guidelines less stringent, whether that's right or wrong. Because as you said, Andrew, you lose three weeks, you lose at least six games. That's the case in the A-10. That's the case in pretty much every other major conference. So I think people are going to say, hey, wait, this one person tested positive, but we did the contact tracing and everybody else is fine. Let's get back on the court. I, I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation. So I, I think a lot of teams are going to hit over 20 games, but it depends on where the spikes are because we could be having a very different conversation in three weeks. But I'll tentatively 
take the over, and I am 100% confident that we're going to get to the end of the season and have an NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm with that, and I do think it's difficult to judge. If we compare to college football, there's a few, I think, important factors here. Number one is that, you know, the point you mentioned with the condensation of the schedule, you know, you're playing a lot of back-to-back games, and there's going to be games that are canceled. I'm fully expecting that, but at the same time, they've built in a lot of collapsible buys and a lot of areas that they can work around and schedule games, so they won't really have as much of an impact if they miss a few, but the other thing is with football, there's like, look at the back 12 You're playing six games. You need every game to get a good estimate of how good a team is. In basketball, it's not necessarily the case. You know, you got a 20-game schedule. I think 15 is enough to get a good judge of whether you're a good team or not. So I think there's a little bit more leeway there to say maybe we can cancel this game. Maybe we can err on the side of caution because we've got a big enough sample size here where we can judge how good a team really is. Uh, and then on the other end of it, we have to remember students aren't going to be there for a lot of this too. You know, with Fordham, we're not coming back till February 1st. That's a pretty large chunk of the season that you're getting done without students there. Now, when we come back, I think there might be some issues because people are coming home from break and, you know, I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but there's enough of the season that I think has gotten done with where players can have some sort of livelihood without necessarily being at the highest risk of transmitting the virus. And I think that's a good sign for college basketball, but you know, there's ups and downs here. Now I am with Jimmy. I think there's March Madness needs to get done this year, just from the NCAA's perspective, you know, they're not going to lose out on it two years in a row that that just can't happen. So there's going to be an effort to make it happen. And obviously they're moving that to a bubble city or at least trying to. So I think they're putting the efforts in place to make it happen. Dude, we've got interruptions all over oh, the place. Wow. Yeah, sorry Look at this. Look and at this. I, I would agree with, with Jimmy and Alex. I definitely go the over. I think if we've seen anything from the sports world, it's it's come hell or high water. They're going to get their seasons and their postseasons done because they just can't risk losing any more revenue, whether fans are in the stands or not. And yeah, I, the interruptions, guys. We just started with the announcement that we were the number one podcast in the world. We were coming out with a Braille version, uh, a visual version, and now we have dogs barking and people's phones going off or their, I don't know what was going on in the laptop, but we have voice yeah. calls. <laughs> what, Jimmy, what are we, where are we leaving this podcast with, right? I don't know, no. but it's not my problem. <laughs> you know what? Magic Johnson, I, I ain't gonna I'm not going to be here. <laughs> you know what? First off, First off, it, it was my phone. Does anyone know an unknown caller? I don't know anyone by that name. Mm, no, I don't. But, um, Mr. Caller? I've never heard of him. <laughs> Mr. Caller? No. So, um, no, I think the reason we're the number one podcast is because we are so real. Exactly. We're, we're at home. Happen. That's, that's a salient point. And, you know, Andrew, this is also production technique. You know, when you're listening to the conversation, a dog bark catches people's attention. You bring them back to the podcast. So it's a little so trick to the trade, you know. Well, after they take out the earbud, after thinking it's their dog. It's like when there's a doorbell ah, ring in the yes. background of a, <laughs> of a TV show. But, okay, so to, uh, to talk a little bit more about w- what we were just talking about, uh, Wolves, I think it's very important, like you were saying, of when students come back, that's when, that's when we're going to start to have real problems. Um, but I think if we do hit the over, it's going to be a very slight over. I'm thinking like 21 games um, per team is like – that's probably what we're going to get. Jimmy, you talked about the wild card factor being the vaccine. I think what's much more of a wild card factor is what um, the next presidential administration uh, seems to want to have in a four to six week lockdown, which, um, you know, personally, I think is probably what's what's best, um, you know, provided everybody is able to, uh, provided the government does provide stimulus checks, which is a totally necessary part of it. And, you know, motor- motorcycles never come down my street. <laughs> One just came down because this is the interruption show. <laughs> but I-, I think 
I think that's the important part of this is, you know, there's a potential for another lockdown. It's probably going to happen, whether you, me, or John Rothstein likes it or not. Uh, so um, I do think we're going to get in a fair amount of games. And of course, we're going to have March Madness. Is it going to be in March? It's, part, it's barely in March anyway. Uh, might as well move it to June if you have to. Um, of course, that does create some problems, but that's what the coronavirus is all about. It's creating problems. So that's what I think is going to happen. So we, it seems like we're all a little more optimistic than perhaps other people are. But um, before we wrap up here, there's a couple things I want to touch on. Um, Jimmy, Andrew, you guys are both seniors. You guys both wrote uh, your final from the desks in the last uh, two weeks. And I, both, and I think you both did an incredible job of, um, of articulating just how the Fordham Ram has made you feel and, and how important of a part it was in your, in your college experience. I'd love to hear you um, talk a little bit about that a little bit. Yeah, I guess I'll go first. Um, it, uh, you know, it means a lot. Um, and I tried to articulate that in my piece, Andrew. I thought you did a great job of that in your piece, but you know, I came in as a freshman and I became like assistant sports editor. And I was like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Like, <laughs> why am I, why am I here? Like, I, you know, um, and I was, I, I mean, I was basically in your spot, Dylan and your spot, Alex, when you guys were freshmen coming into this, I was like, Oh Lord. And by like issue 12, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, and, and thank God I did because, you know, this, I love this paper. I love the people. I you know, love you guys. Um, and I, I wanted to convey that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm going to miss this place. Um, but that's enough of, I guess that's enough of me being sad for now. <laughs> yeah, this is, it, it's hard to put into words and that's what we do, right? We're all writers and we're supposed to be able to convey things in a clear and concise manner. But when I think about the Ram, I just think of really the commute. I mean, I've made so many commutes in the last four years. I mean, not so many this year, you know, with the pandemic, but enough where, you know, I feel like everything for me is a commute, like, you know, a whole basketball broadcast is a commute. This feels like a commute getting from the beginning to the end. I always feel like that's how everything goes for me. And the Ram, I would have never thought after I sent a DM uh, to Jack McClune on Twitter, you know, desperately trying to just become a sports writer that I would go from that to not applying for volume 100, which I always felt was the biggest regret I've had here at Fordham and not going to WFUV sooner. You know, I should have done that. But again, you know, when you're an outsider and Jimmy knows being a commuter as well, it's hard to kind of ingratiate yourself within the community when you don't feel like you're on campus enough and you're not going to be on campus enough. So I think to go from that to volume 101 where, you know, Jimmy Dillon and I had, you know, incredible Tuesday nights. And, and I, and as I mentioned, you know, after one production night, that first one in January, I was hooked. This was where I wanted to be. And to be a managing editor, it's kind of like, Oh God, how did I become a blog writer? You know, writing about the, you know, U S women's and men's national soccer teams, you know, my first couple articles to being the managing editor. I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just a testament to everyone else. You know, people like Jimmy, Jack, pe people who just believed in me and gave me the opportunity to continue furthering, you know, my commute, you know, uh, coming down the stretch of the ramp. So uh, again, it's, 
it really just is a testament to everyone else. I'm not here without, you know, the three of you and everyone else. And I think, you know, that's what I'll take the most from my journey with the Ram, just the people you meet, uh, the things you do and the moments you create. Andrew, let me just ask, when the men's national team lost to Trinidad and Tobago to get eliminated from the World Cup, did you ever think it would end up here? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I wrote an article about how it all went wrong, and I just never thought from there that a few years later I would be, you know, in this pandemic doing virtual production nights, and I'd also be the managing editor like, hey, give this guy all the power. I just – I never thought that once in my day. And then creating Beyond the Scoreboard, I remember uh, pitching it to Jimmy – and Jimmy had some trepidation and I did too, but I couldn't show it to Jimmy. I was like, Hey, let's push this column. It can work. But again, never in my wildest dreams that I think that column would actually have substantial content week in and week out. Uh, yeah. So uh, Dylan and Alex, please take care of that. That's my baby and make sure for the next couple of years that that continues to be a, a staple and a mainstay and a mainstay in the budget week in and week out. Yeah, and I think something for me that I noticed from, from day one, I've only been here a year, obviously, but something to be said about you guys as commuters, something, something Dylan and I will never understand. It's coming, yeah. you know, at five o'clock in the afternoon and staying to one, two, three. I don't even know when you guys get home. And it's like, that's a level of commitment and a level of dedication and setting an example that I don't think a lot of other people can. And I know Dylan and I both, I'm sure we could speak on, on the same page here, that that means a lot when you see people that have that level of commitment and that type of drive to just be good journalists and to, to sit down and the print shop and get the paper done. I think that that means so much. And I think you know, Dylan and I could not be here without you guys and hopefully going to take it in good directions in the future. Certainly you guys, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you guys doing that commute as, as often as you do. Um, I think it's just that in itself is a testament to how, how wonderful um, our, our production nights are just how our, our publication and, and this club, if you will, that we're a part of. Or moral deprivation, one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> well, th there's that. Yeah, it's a combination of the two, mostly, I'd imagine. But <laughs> um, but it certainly speaks to the power of, of, of our, our publication. And quite frankly, the power of this podcast. This has been a great episode. Um, any last words, guys? Sounds like you're killing us off here. <laughs> yeah, right. Hold on. We're going to be back. Not I done think. yet, Dylan. Good. The ratings are the early ratings are in right now. They're saying that this is quote one of the most emotionally riveting podcasts of all time. Well, yeah, no, you 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 gotta get better with the improv, guys. What was gonna happen was it was gonna make it seem <laughs> like this is the series finale, and then it was gonna be like it was something crazy was gonna happen. It'd be like, oh, we got a few more episodes. That's You're my fault. I didn't go with the bit. I'm sorry, Dylan. I, I should have went with the bit. I didn't know that was a bit. I messed up. That's that film background right there. We don't have it. Okay, I'm just kidding. It wasn't a bit. I improvised that. Uh, <laughs> it was not a bit. I was just about to end this episode, and I ended it way too uh, succinctly uh, for it to not be the last episode. So it's really on me, and as I'm backtracking here now. But uh, any any final words for this episode, guys? No, this was fun. We've got at least one more with the two of us, at least. Anyway, um, yes. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that one goes. That's what I always <laughs> say. Yeah, we got one final issue left. Enjoy the Thanksgiving break, guys, and you know, let's make that last production night, albeit virtual, to make it the best one. Let's have a quick little Zoom meeting that Tuesday night, if you guys hey. want. Yes. And, or how, you know, maybe we can record a, a very special oh. Section One Hundred Two live 
during a Tuesday night production. I mean, that's up to you guys. I'm just putting it out there, <laughs> just throwing that alley oop. If you guys want to dunk it, you know, we can talk about that in our group chat. I, I'm I'm all about that idea. <laughs> so I guess that all about wraps up episode nine of the section one or two podcast for the Fordham Rams sports section. And that means Jimmy Sullivan, Andrew Posadas, and Alex Wolves. My name is Dylan Balsamo. This has been a great episode. Uh, find us wherever uh, this podcast is. I really don't know, but wherever it is, you already know where it is because you found this episode. So uh, find it again. Uh, we'll be here soon. Talk to you later. <laughs>